Do you ever want to be a guest on a super cool podcast hosted by a glamorous power couple from their cutting-edge home studio on the outskirts of a major metropolitan world hub? Hollywood, anyone? Us, too. Until then, let's pretend. One of these days, you might get a DM, a PM, an EM, or even a message in a bottle inviting you to join my husband and I for an hour or two in our chat lab, working on solutions for all the world's problems. And when you are invited, there's only one response. Yeah, uh-huh. Hello, you're listening to Yeah, Uh-huh, we hope, with Lisa and Phil. Tis this week we have Bill Allen and um, hopefully at some point, Aaron, our previous guest, might be joining us as well. And we're just going to talk about whatever we want to. Yeah, I've known Bill for a long time. Um, Bill, welcome. Hi. To Yeah, Uh-huh. Oh, thank you for having me. It's my, my privilege to be on. Yeah. And I hey. should mention you're also a teacher uh, and a baseball coach. So there's a number of things that we've kind of kicked around to talk about here today. Mm-hmm. First of all, I always want to, I'm always curious when you live in a paradise as beautiful and as vibrant as Norwood, why in the world would you ever leave and go to someplace like California or South Carolina? South Carolina, right? That's where you're at. It is South Carolina, Beaufort, South Carolina. Most people will get Hilton Head because, I mean, Hilton Head is yeah. incorporated in Beaufort County. So when you say Hilton Head, most people know exactly what you're talking about then. Are you on Hilton Head? Or I am not on Hilton Head. Head. I am actually about 25 miles away from Hilton Head. Okay. We are a huge county. Beaufort County is huge down here. Yeah. Um, but to, to answer the question, you know, the mm-hmm. I just got tired of, you know, the plushness of Norwood and all that. And I thought, where can I? The <laughs> beach seemed to be the the opposite of what I needed to be. Yeah. Gotcha. So. Yeah. <laughs> so are you close to the beach then? Um, I live about 20 to 25 minutes from uh, Hunting Island State Park, which is a very nice beach. I actually live about 10 minutes okay. away from another beach. So. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's it's it is nice down here. Yeah. I can't complain. Right. Yeah, my aunt. Um, I know that area a little bit because my aunt every year she rents one of those um, rentable mansions, and I say mansion because she gets a six to eight bedroom house within a block of the beach. Not your typical condo. No, no. So that she can bring all her kids and a couple of her, um, like, for instance, her beloved niece, namely me, um, and the grandchildren and um, a couple of, like, people that she thinks of as her kids. And uh, we all get to be in one of those lovely lovely mansions, which is, you know, a short walk to the beach, and then um, there will be a pool, and one year we even had an elevator. <laughs> and uh and she's um she's lucky to have married a man who has uh who well he was rich and uh, multimillionaire and so she um is able to use her money for whatever she wants we refer to them as sugar daddies <laughs> <laughs> usually a sugar daddy doesn't marry someone older than him but hey you know she looks younger so i guess that's what matters right yeah. Well, okay, so we've established that you know, maybe we South Carolina, well, South Carolina may mm-hmm. have these beautiful mm-hmm. mansions, almost uh-huh. as nice as Norwood, but then yeah. the tipping point may be the ocean. 
Right, right. Yeah. That's probably it. Norwood does not have the ocean. In fact, we do not have any major water features in Norwood. We have beautiful Mill Creek's not that far away. Oh, Mill Creek and Duck Creek. Duck Creek, (laughs) is is Duck Creek a creek? Is there water? I was going to say, the water has long since evaporated. Yeah, that's that's more of a street. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But... Okay, so is there anything uh, you miss about I mean, we used to uh, hang out at Sean's house, which was like for, you know, a bunch of, you know, teenage sports fans and, and uh, mm-hmm. comic book uh, nerds. Yes. Uh, I will be of, honest with you. I get my kids, my students ask me all the time. And, and even when I get down here, some the people I'm around, mm-hmm. there's probably, I mean, the first thing I miss is just being around my friends and all that. I mean, I've yeah. known you guys for a long time. And that's not including like Dale, Jack, Jay, and John, all them guys that, you know, we're still, I still talk to after 47 years knowing them. Um, that's probably first and foremost. Mm-hmm. The second thing I miss is to be honest, is fall. Yeah. We do not, ha- I mean, it seems like down here we go summer and then we get like a three week thing of winter and we don't really have that nice fall. You don't see the leaves change mm-hmm. and all that. Um, and then probably the thing I, the third thing I miss is sports. There is no, major sports down here i'm we have like the savannah bananas uh minor league team stuff like that but yeah it's nice to be able to you know to drive in your car and go down and catch a reds game or to go to a Bengals game or something like that i mean when you got to root for jacksonville and carolina and atlanta around here it's terrible oh yeah i get get that yeah so that that's probably i mean those are those are the three things that i miss about it this area compared to being up there in norway You know, we're going to see the uh, Florence Yalls tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, I've been there before, and it's nice. You know, it's a nice little ballpark, and it's a uh, very open concourse. It's nice. You can walk around. The beer's cheap and all that stuff. Um, hey, minor league baseball is where it's at, Phil. I, agree. I mean, yeah. you don't, it, it's a different experience. It's it's a lot different than going to a major league. It is more, uh, what's the word? I'm kind of looking Relax. for more. Yeah. 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 And it could be silly because minor league baseball owners are more likely to do interesting things like uh, put right. a hot tub out in the, uh, you know. Right. I, I mean, one of the best things was when I was up at Cape Cod, the Cape Cod Baseball League. I mean, they're playing at parks where you drive up and just go sit on a little mound and you're watching these guys that, you know, are going to be major leaguers within the next, you know, probably two or three years. And mm-hmm. you just walk up and sit there. You know, it's not, you don't pay anything and mm. you just watch good baseball. And I mean, I, I love that kind of baseball. Yeah. yeah. Well, sometimes big leaguers will um, show up in these games. You know, guys True. are trying to climb back into it or maybe rehabbing or something like that. Like uh, mm-hmm. um, Brandon Phillips actually plays for the Lexington. I don't know what their Nick is, but mm. they actually played against the y'alls last week and Phillips hit a homer. But so, you know, it's a, it's a nice atmosphere. And uh, actually mm-hmm. Bron- Bronson Arroyo is going to perform after this game tomorrow so yeah we'll be so treated to uh, some alternative yeah. rock baseball and a concert <laughs> there you go yeah but all for the same price and plus the ticket prices um i mean the expensive tickets are 14 bucks so still not at least for the florence y'alls still not as you know the cheapest for like a family situation but the concessions are cheaper. The tickets are just a little bit cheaper, and the parking's free. Mm-hmm. And right there, you I mean, that, that's that it. Yeah, in Cincinnati downtown, you don't no. get the free parking. Right. No. Well, you know, I don't want to make it all about baseball. Okay. But uh, 
I know mm-hmm. Bill mostly as a baseball mm-hmm. um, friend. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, um, you know, and you're a baseball coach. So baseball is very uh, important in your, you know, to you. Yes. So, um, so we used to play diamond ball at these uh, schoolyards around here during the summer and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, everybody could kind of hit a fence scraper that would go over the chain link fence at the other, you know, on a lob pit. Or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, every, every time that you would come up, you know, people uh, would kind of uh, pay closer attention because you had this uncanny ability to just drive the ball about three city blocks <laughs> and send everybody to go chasing uh, these balls down. So what I wanted to know is uh, to, to hit them that hard, did you imagine anyone's face on that or did you take out any kind of aggression? <laughs> uh, you know, not back then, not with, not with baseball. I just you know, starting it when I was four years old, I just felt, I just loved doing it. I mean, that was, that was my passion. It was, that was it. Baseball was everything. I mean, to this day, you know, I think I am still the only guy to have a guy say, I followed your ball until it got the size of a pinhead, and then I stopped looking at it, trying to follow it. So. <laughs> Definitely a slugger. Definitely a slugger for sure. Uh, so now, I mean, but now golf, on the other hand, you know, I have students say, "Why do I do it?" And I say, "Well, I do imagine you as the golf ball when I go out there and drive it. And I tend to hit a little bit further." So mm-hmm. I've translated the golf ball into some students. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what? How's so? Are some of those students your favorite students? Oh like God, they, yes, they, they are. Yeah, yeah. They are. Um, so how, what's the farthest you've driven a golf ball? The furthest drive that I've ever had was at Sharon Woods, and it ended up being four hundred and two yards. Wow! Wow! Now, granted, it was not on a fly, and it had a lot of roll after it, but it ended up at four hundred and two yards. Yeah. Yeah. My biggest obstacle is I can't get the ball, you know, it hooks on me so bad. When I, when I drive a golf ball, it, it slices so bad. It's like, I can't ever get any. Check your feet. Anyway. That's all. It's probably a alignment problem. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Too bad you couldn't like, you know, maybe get somebody to give you advice about that. Okay. All right. <laughs> she bought me golf lessons one time and uh, regrettably I never used them. Because <laughs> but, he thought, what, what was the reasoning again? I just, I don't know. I did, I'd never gone to lessons for anything in my life before, much uh-huh. less golf lessons. And I was like, I don't know. Yeah. I just didn't, I'm sorry I let it lapse. It's a pride uh-huh. thing because, you know, as men, we try to say we can figure it out on our own. We'll keep doing it and doing it until we find the right answer. Right. We don't like yeah. to ask for help a lot. The whole directions. Well, uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, the thing that I'm truly upset about is he could have returned it. We could have regifted it, but instead he just let it sit there and run out. And that was $150 in the trash. Yes. 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 I have no good answer for that. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. <laughs> yes. Speaking of uh, economics. <laughs> right. Right. Well, now he has some example to use in his class of yeah. a misspent dollar. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah, but um, you know, baseball is going through a transition right now with all this, uh, you know, all these things they're trying to do to increase the pace of it and reduce uh, some of the uh, the the, the, st- the staleness of it to younger audiences and stuff like that. Um, a pitch clock, so guys aren't mm-hmm. standing on the mound or st- going back behind the mound behind every pitch and rubbing up the ball and all this shit. Mm-hmm. So um, what do you think, uh, what's wrong with baseball that they're constantly reaching for this type of uh, you know, reinvention? I think one, 
if you ever hear anybody talk that's not passionate about it and that they always say baseball's too slow it's too boring things are going on mm-hmm. well that's what makes baseball so much is that there is a lot going on but before mm-hmm. that pitch is thrown on there it's it's like a chess game you you see guys you know and I don't want to say the shift word but that pitcher what am I going to throw this guy you know you have mm-hmm. no idea where that's going to be hit mm-hmm. stuff like that so I, to me, that's what make that takes it to the next level. I mean, that to, that's what makes it interesting and all that for me. As far as like the pitch clock, mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't. I'm not a big fan of it. I mean, if you see some guy that's taking you know a minute and a half to pitch each time, then yeah, go get him and do something. But you know, those guys are very few and far between. Um, I think you know baseball has enough rules as it is. Uh, you know, you keep dumping more yeah. and more on there. Then you start, you know, it's kind of like the NFL now. We sit there and go, you can't touch a quarterback. If you hit a guy anywhere but on the chest, you know, you're going to get 15 yards. Right. Um, it's so ridiculous. It is. And, and so, you know, with baseball, there's, yeah, you don't have to add more rules. You can sit there and, and hit the things that need to be hit as they occur. And you'll find out that, you know, a lot of those things don't happen as much as people say they do or think the team they do yeah well how much time is there on the pitch clock 30 seconds yeah oh really yeah okay they're using it in minor leagues right now and, yeah. yeah um but i always think feel like that the game is kind of a victim of its own success the players are learning how to um you know launch angles they're not they're, they're, they're disrespecting the strikeout they're like i don't give a shit how i get out it doesn't mm-hmm. matter how i get out um, it's Matt. More, more. It's more important how, how often I get on base or, or what what I get out of the balls that I hit. You know, what is my slugging percentage? Mm-hmm. What's my OPS? I'm glad you brought that up, Phil, because coaching, like I'm at the high school level now. I mean, this is my what twenty twenty third year of doing JV baseball and varsity baseball coaching. And the first thing I tell, like you know, I tell the kids, I go, "You're going to get out seven out of ten times." Mm-hmm. I said, so, and I said, you know, we look at 300, you know, for major leagues, you know, at the, at the high school level, you want kid, you want a dude to hit 350 or higher and all that for, we have kids that hit 400 and that, but I go, it's about making a good out. I go, if you got a guy on second and you move him over to third, I said, that's a good out. I said, you taking three strikes and going to the bench, that's not a good out. I said, and that's a problem you see today in the major leagues i don't these guys don't know a good out. they're willing to strike out 200 times right and you know if you take it just absolutely drives me up a wall when you see seven guys on the right side of the field and these guys are major leaguers and i'm watching the pitcher pitch and the first pitch he throws is an outside third of the plate that if at that level you should be able to take an oppo yeah and i'm like going why did you, you know you sit there and go why are you taking that pitch that pitch was perfect to take oppo and hit it away from the the seven guys that have shifted on you right um and the art of the bunt mm-hmm. i mean we sit there and these guys talk about analytics and all that okay that's what's the odds of this dude knocking it out of the ballpark i would rather have you lay down that bunt get on first and then make them have to start doing other kinds of things than i'm going to keep putting six seven guys on the right side until you're smart enough to do something different. Right. And and I think that's the problem is these guys, you, you just, you don't see it. I mean, the, the art of laying down a nice drag bunt or with the one that really, really gets me is when you see a dude on second 
and they do the shift and the third baseman is playing shortstop and we're not talking somebody that's carrying you know a dairy truck behind him that's running at second (laughs) and you're like going why don't you just steal third they're giving you third base and it's not like that because that guy's got to wait to see what the hitter does so you take your secondary lead and you break there is no way that they can get you out at third base it's impossible right so it's not just uh, it's not just um and uh fundamentals it's intangibles it is yeah it's it's unmeasurables uh baseball intelligence that they're not using um to take advantage it's almost like they look at and go it's it's if i lay down a bunt that says maybe it's a manhood of base i'm no you're on first base then you got me a guy at first base yeah i don't care how you get there and plus your batting average just went up 10 points right well players are so focused on the 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 certain metrics you know um, launch angle or or hit or spin rate or velocity exit velocity and all this stuff so focused on that that um, those other factors have been largely um, abandoned. And, and I have a friend or I have a coworker actually, whose son plays youth baseball and all that stuff is, is uh, filtering down to, to the lowest levels of baseball. Like in this in youth baseball, their coach keeps statistics. They do video. They, um, uh, they keep track of spin rates. All their stats are online. So parents can follow them when, you know, just like a major league game or whatever. Um, but, uh, those, uh, fundamentals that, that, that really the beauty of baseball was that you had to counteract the strategy of the defense, for instance, hitting the ball to the opposite field, like you said, um, organically to enforce rules, to try to overshift for stupidity is kind of, (laughs) I wouldn't call it stupidity, but, um, Oh no, it's stupidity in a lot of cases. (laughs) I mean, look, okay. There was a play the other day uh, between the, um, and, and the Pirates game. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a hitting play, but it was a, a Will Craig, the, the Pirates' first baseman. There was a ground ball to third with two outs, a runner at second, and uh, the third baseman threw the ball offline to first base. I think it was against the Cubs, and Javier Javier Baez was the hitter. And uh, all Craig had to do was touch the base, but he got into a rundown with Baez between home plate and first base, which uh, makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. I think, I mean, if you're leaving the batter's box and going towards first base, there's no reason to get in, you know, all he had to do was tap on the base. I mean, I don't, I don't think players are coming to the major league level um, conditioned to even think ahead about what they're going to do in situations anymore because they're so locked in on minutia. Well, again, I don't want to disparage the, the, uh, you know, the value of some of the metrics, you know, I, I believe in a lot of the metrics too, but, but yes, that's definitely missing. I, you know, some of it's okay and all that, but to be honest, I don't need 11 year old knowing what his launch angle is coming off the bat. I want to teach him how to fundamentally hit the ball, what he needs to do to be in the right spot to take it to different places. Not, Ooh, my launch angle is 26 degrees here. So I'm no, I mean, you, you don't have to at that age. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and so that kind of leads into, I mean, your, your coaching stuff, I think um, your, your coaching career, of 21, 21 plus years. Um, I think a lot of it comes from, you know, parents, uh, you know, if the cost of playing baseball today is astronomical compared to the way it was when you had teams, little league teams or, or leagues in a city like Norwood, for instance, would, would have six levels with full teams at each level. Oh, Norwood, not a rule. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's nothing like that today. 
So in order to facilitate baseball requires a tremendous amount of expense from parents um, for equipment and, uh, you know, they charge all kinds of fees. And then field, some of the fields are like beautifully uh, kept and everything like that. So there's a lot of um, gravitas to the game now at the level that you're dealing with, even as a, as a high school coach. So I'm just wondering, um, how do you, uh, when, when players take their lead from these major league players that, that are often coming up uh, unprepared, I mean, how, how are you coaching your team to kind of counteract that? Um, I'm, it's, we start with basic fundamentals. You'll be surprised at how much, even when you get into the high school level, just some basic fundamentals haven't been taught at an earlier age. Um, and you're right. I mean, you know, nowadays, you know, this kid goes out and they find out, you know, if you want a good bat, it's three hundred dollars. I'm a very nice glove, you know, could run you anywhere from two up to two hundred fifty dollars or more and stuff like that. Um, I found out that dealing with parents at like junior varsity baseball is a little bit different because, you know, we don't keep records. There is no wins and losses and stuff like that. The the object of being a junior varsity coach is to get your kids ready to help out the varsity program. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, when the, when I have my parents meeting right off the bat at, when I was at JV level, you know, I sit there and tell them, I'm like, you know, this is not, we call it down here. It's called pals. It's like, I go, you know, everybody's not going to play three innings, you know, and stuff like that. I go, there, there's, there's going to be times when your son might not play. Mm -hmm. Um, But at this level though, you try to get everybody in because you want to see what they got. And so, you know, it's a kind of different kind of animal. Now, when you went up to varsity, you know, that it's a little more, you know, people do care about it, you know, depending on, I happen to be at a school that we are very small um, and wins and losses matter, but it's not the top thing. I mean, I, I tell my kids when they come out, it's a privilege to put on the uniform. Uh, you know, you base high school baseball is a different animal in that if you love the game and all that, you'll find out whether if you're a freshman that happens to get pulled up or a junior or whatever, that you're going to miss it. that. But it's more than wins and losses. It's we, you know, I try to teach them. It's about character. It's about sportsmanship. It's about being a good young man, a good person and all that. So when you go play different teams and that, when they get done and you do the handshake and the coach comes up and talks, I mean, you can't get a better compliment than the coach goes, man, you have a class act there. We we would love to play you again next year. And, you know, and that's kind of, this is my, at the school I'm at now, this is my third year. COVID kind of ruined a little bit last year, kind of lost the season, but I've had plenty of coaches come up and, and are inviting me to their tournaments and that, or saying, Hey, we want to make sure that we get you guys on our schedule next year because, this is, you know, you you run the program that we want to play against. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, we like what you're doing and all that. And so, you know, we sit there and try to tell them that, yeah, some par- you'll have parents. I'll, I'll be honest, that the worst is when you get the real young kids, T-ball and D-ball, them five, six, and seven-year-olds. Those parents are the absolute worst. They go nuts. Yeah. Uh, and then when you start getting older, they kind of, they buy into it and they go, okay, I, I know what you're trying to do here and all that. So it's not saying that you don't get those parents that are nuts, that'll sit there and you hear them every time in the stands and all that. But I think, you know, if you, when you sit there and lay out for them, Hey, this is what we're going to do. This is our goals for the season. This is what we're trying to strive to. And that you get a lot of the parent base that buys into it and goes along with you. And 
and they won't question, you know, some of the moves you make or whether or not well, my kids only got, you know, seven at bat so far and you've played five games and why is he out here and stuff like that? You know, it, it kind of tapers off. You get them uh, to buy in a little bit. It does. And, and you know, they, and I think, you know, every coach that jazz will do it. it. You, you lay that groundwork at the meeting. You make sure that you talk to parents and you say, Hey, this is what I need from you. You'll get those parents that don't like to be in the stands. They'll try to find a way around to get on the side of the dugout or something like that and try to yell into and talk. And you're like, hey, you, you got to go back to the stands. You know, I, we, we're focusing on this right now. Yeah. We need to talk. We'll talk after the game kind of thing. Um, you know, you get some of that. But for the most part, I, I've had an awesome parent fan base down here. Uh, and so I, I really can't complain. I mean, the, the schools that I've coached at down here, it's night and day, the difference of programs as far as kids committed to baseball that really love the game between the schools and all that because you can see it. But I've never really had a problem with the parents to a point where, you know, we've had some kind of altercation or anything like that because, you know, we, we lay it down and, and they see what's going on. Yeah. Well, um, so there was another instance in baseball recently where uh, Tony LaRusa, who's sort of a public enemy number one in this town, so he doesn't get a lot of sympathy for his position on things, but he, he, one of his players uh, took a full cut at a 3-0 and uh, fastball, meatball, right down the middle and crushed it over the you know, fence, and LaRusa came, and after the game, he threw the player under the bus, and it was one of the – I can't remember the player – um, the Mercedes? Yeah, I think so. And uh, he, and Larusa has been drawing uh, serious heat from for that ever since then, um, from all corners about uh, being stodgy and old school and having people going so far as to say he had no place in the game anymore and that type of thing. That's crap. And, yeah, and and yeah, I agree. That the you know I, I'm not a Tony Larusa fan, but I feel like that uh, he's taking undue pressure about that. But so you I, I, kind of maybe answered the question already. But do you have any players on your team that that, that kind of um, do a lot of, uh, you know, to express themselves or what they would call um, being individual. little individuality. Yeah. Um, you know what? Going back to thing, at a three zero count, I, I have no problem. I mean, if they want to pull in a position player to pitch, then expect that's going to happen. I, I mean, that guy could have easily hit a two hopper back to the pitcher instead of knocking out the ballpark. Yeah. Um, no, I don't mind. There, no, a little bit of individuality does not hurt. I think it helps the game and all that. Now some of the bat flips kind of take it to another level. Sometimes I think it's kind of showing up because you don't see a pitcher after every strikeout pointing and, and walking toward, you know, following the guy back to the dugout or something like that. Yeah. But I, I, you know, I, you know, it's like celebrating a touchdown. You know, I, I don't mind it. If you hit the ball and you knock it out, of the hey, go ahead and enjoy the celebration. But there is a limit. I mean, you, you can take it past the thing where you go from, celebrating what you did to showing somebody up yeah. uh and yeah i so i don't buy in what larissa said about not swinging at that i mean just one of my final games we were playing a team that was way below our our talent and we we were taking it i mean right off the bat we knew we were, i knew that we were going to kill them mm-hmm. and you know we jumped out real fast four to nothing and after that i mean it's only four to nothing and i'm doing station to station baseball there was no stealing um, I told the umpires, like, I know you're going to, I know you're going to widen the strikes on, oh my God, I said, go ahead and add the extra two inches on the plate, stuff like that. We know, and our guys, you know, I sat there and told them, I said, Hey, go up there, 
don't be taking a walk. You know, go up there and swing the bat. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, we're not laying down bunch trying to get through. We're in, you know, pass balls, which this team probably end up throwing 30 of them. We didn't sit there and run across. We just let them go get the ball and bring it back and stuff like that. And, you know, after the game, you know, when you have the coach come up and say, hey, man, your kids are a class act because there's teams that they've played where, you know, they've beaten them 25-30, 35 to nothing. There's no point in the, there's no place in the game for you don't have to put up that many runs on a team to sit there and try to demoralize them. You know, if you, if your whole thing is I want my kid to have now his his RBIs went from 20 to 31 after this game because of this team. No, you you beat up on somebody that you should have beat up on. So, I I have a problem when you when you have coaches and all that that decide we're going to take it this and and try to show somebody up. I there's there's a point you take it to, and then when you try to show somebody up, then you know, I'm more at the major league. I don't do it at the high school. I don't think there's a place for it. But I, hey, if you want to go ahead and spine somebody with a pitch, go ahead. Uh, it's just part of the game at that level. Right. All right. Well, with that, I think we're going to take a break for our sponsor. Listeners, welcome back to Yeah Uh with Lisa and Phil. We are speaking and to Aaron. We're speaking to Bill Aaron, Bill Allen uh, from uh, South Carolina location. And we have just added Aaron Leckinger from California location. And we will not be turning on our camera because... We actually don't have one at the moment. Right. There's no camera. We might get one. Uh, It'll point at you. (laughs) It's good to see people's faces because they might be getting ready to say something. I like the artwork in the background, Bill. Is that just a piece of art or is that like a wall? That's the screen. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I try to be different. Yeah. That's cool. No, is that like a, a mural or a hanging? Nope. This is really big. So now just we get a background that I downloaded. Oh, okay. If you can it's do the screen, game. then we can do a nice, you know, because yeah, nice you're covering capture. the actual screen. <laughs> I know. I thought that was the coolest part is I am mm-hmm. the screen. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Um, we have been covering sports quite a bit, so I haven't been so much involved because I am not as sports oriented as the gentleman that we are currently talking to. But one of the things that I wanted to talk about was um, Bill is a teacher and he's teaching economics right now. Uh, That's correct? Correct. Yes. So one of the things I think that needs to be taught is um, common sense uh, things, things that maybe aren't obvious but should be, and things that are tricky about credit in high school economics. And I don't know if that would be added to like maybe a home economics course or just a a life economics course. We actually, I mean, there is different classes where Mm -hmm. econ is supposed to be where you cover everything, supply and demand. And when you talk about some of the old philosophers and some of their things and stuff like that, but there are the courses that are more focused on everyday kind of life economics and stuff like right. that, budgeting and stuff like that. Right. And I know that when I was in high school, back in the 80s, <clears throat> um, they didn't teach any of that. I had no idea how to use credit. And um, of course, for a while, our credit card, our credit score was not very good. But it took me less than a year to improve it enough to qualify to buy a house. Once I actually did the research. That's right. We wouldn't have this palatial estate that you can't see <laughs> um, without Lisa's ingenuity. Yes. 
Yes, we're, all we're four well acquainted with Nor- feet. Yeah. We're well acquainted with Norwood's palatial estates. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're all we all come from yeah. gentry. Yes. Yeah. Landed. Very landed. <laughs> but I mean, so I never would have uh, guessed that to be your career path when we were younger, that you would end up being a teacher. Uh, I don't know why. You know, I guess mm-hmm. you can't really look at anybody at that age and say, well, what, what are they going to be in 20 years? But um, was there a teacher at Norwood High School that inspired you or anything like that? Um, you know, to expand a little bit on your question. Yes, there was actually two, Mr. Leonard, Mr. Calkins, two very different as far as bringing social studies. Yeah. Mr. Calkins was more of lecture, blackboard, field, and all that. And then Mr. Leonard was kind of his opposite. Yeah. Um, he was probably one that took me down the path. But to be honest, I didn't even know I was going to be a teacher. Uh, when I graduated, I kind of hit an endless summer there for a while and was kind of enjoying it a little bit and mm-hmm. decided to go military. Um, when I went to the Navy, uh, I, I could have easily have made the military a career. I, I enjoyed it. I was... Mm-hmm. adapted to it i was very good at being in the military um and when it time came to re-up i asked him just one question i'm like you got to get me off this ship i'm on i was like i don't care where you put me i just need to get all out of this place mm-hmm. and they were like well if you give us one more enlistment you just got to spend three years there and then when you re-up the third time you can go wherever you want i went you can send me to diego garcia an island out in the middle of the indian ocean that actually counted as sea time, even though you were on the mm-hmm. island. I was like, send me there. And they were like, well, you got to spend, you got to spend at least the next, I was like, I can't do it. I was like, it, it just ain't going to happen. Yeah. Uh, so I was actually Pull me once, pull me twice. <laughs> yeah. I was actually to all, oh, they were throwing out, well, we'll give you $20,000 signing bonus because the rate that you're in the job you do. And then this mm-hmm. and this, and I'm like going, well, you know, after taxes, uh, getting an extra 3,500 a year is not really cutting the mustard for me. Right. So I was kind of looking at, I was tossing up accounting, being an accountant. And I was like, nah, I can't do that. Uh, then when I went to college and, you know, the first year, you know, they make you take just the basic courses. And then I was like, social studies teacher. And it kind of just kind of rung in there. And when I first started to get into it, the funny thing was I had these counselors and that, and some of the instructors begging me to go elementary school. Just because mm-hmm. there's just not that many males at the elementary school level. Mm-hmm. And at least not when I first started out. And I was like, I want to be, I said, I, I want to do that critical thinking. I want to have kids that can take it to this kind of level where it's more intellectual for me. They're like, please go elementary. And I was like, I just, I can't see myself being a second grade teacher. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, you like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, I challenged like, them. <laughs> Once I got in, that was it. I, I mean, you definitely don't get into teaching for the money. It's it's kind of funny, but we were talking about before. It's mm-hmm. besides budget. The first thing I tell them out of the kids, I go, "If I was like, don't be a teacher." They look at me, they're like, "What?" I go, "Don't be a teacher." Yeah, I go, "It's it's." I said the headaches, the hassle, the stuff like I go, and the money. I go, "If you're if if that's the thing you want is money," and I actually pull up my, my paycheck for them. They're like, that, "That's what you get paid." I'm like, "Yes." After 20 years of doing this job, that's my paycheck. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Mr. Leonard, and I imagine if you would ask Mr. Leonard the same question, it would probably have been framed exactly the way you just said it, because he had a, he had a certain uh, demeanor about it. I had Mr. Calkins and Mr. Leonard. Yeah. Mr. And, Leonard was my favorite teacher, incidentally. Yeah, yeah. He reminded me of Hunter S. Thompson a little bit. You knew something was going wild 
going on that was pretty wild behind that tweed jacket, you know, with, with the patches on the uh, elbows. Oh, he actually wore the tweed jacket with the patches? I seem to recall that. Yeah. I mean, he's just a very, uh, sure. you know, yeah. off the cuff type of guy. He, he, uh -huh. You know, he, he was very professional, you know, in the, in the, but you knew something was going on there with him somehow. Mm -hmm. you know, oh, he liked, he, his, he he was liked his drink, good that's man. for sure. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think it was just drink? I know for a yeah. fact that some of my high school teachers enjoyed a good smoke, if you will. Yeah, he'd come in with a red nose occasionally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I have to admit, I did meet him down at Jimmy's Tap Room one time for my mm -hmm. final. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for your final. Yeah. Now, to be fair, back then, I think you guys are probably a little younger than me. Um, when I turned 18, I was allowed to, to drink at least beer. And by the time my friends turned 18, they had to wait until they were 21 because they were all younger than me. And I think you guys, if you're contemporary of Phil, which I assume you are. Um, Phil's a year older than Yeah, I, I got I got grandfathered in too. I was oh, allowed okay. to drink that near beer too. So mm. you and I are, are yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah eight, 18 was the near beer and 19 was the beer, right? Yeah. yeah. Now, I was allowed the full beer. I was born in 66, so... I didn't touch the stuff when I was 19. Mm -hmm. I was yes, you smoking. were a smoker. Yeah. <laughs> Many varieties of smoke. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, so as a teacher, mm -hmm. I mean, it's a bit, probably a little bit different than it was back in 1983 to 86 or whatever. You know, the, the, the amount of, uh, not to bring it down a level, but I mean, mm -hmm. the amount of violence, the amount of uh, problems that kids face going to school today seem to be only more um uh, serious than ever uh, well there's uh, uh shootings right, and security right. and and all these things kind of snowball yeah. it seems like that right. uh, that you know it, 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 it someone sees that happen and it, it like mm -hmm. sparks some sort of a creative idea that they're yeah. going to do something the same you know right. i think yeah. some things have been blown out i mean you know there's bullying has been going on since the dawn of time i i think right. we we emphasize it more than it needs to be i mean it still goes on and 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 you know you're never it's high school you got those kids you're mm -hmm. going to have kids that do that and stuff like that uh mm -hmm. i think we take things a little too far on how we deal with it uh, as a society mm -hmm. um there's definitely times when you can see teachers do nothing which is you know as a truck you you got to step in it sometimes and when you see it i mean you just right. can't let them do it yeah uh, mm -hmm. but you know there's some things that happen and it, it could be something as somebody just says one word mm. and the next thing you know, they're, they're taking it like you've held them down with a baseball bat and beat them to death and gone after everything. You're like, this kid said one word mm -hmm. and, and they, and they blow it way out of the proportion it should be. But I agree with you. I mean, we've definitely since, you know, Columbine in 99 that, you know, we see more of it played out on the news and stuff like that. More awareness. But, you know, yeah. you've always had and i don't know if you want to use the word violence you always had those fights and stuff like that at school it's a, it's high school it's teenagers mm -hmm. stuff like that is going to happen yeah yeah well i mean well in, in junior high for me it was worse at least in high school they had a tendency to just kind of leave me alone but junior high oh that was horrible my yeah. uh my second year of teaching i you know not too far from my navy day so i was in my my good playing weight and all that still mm -hmm. uh being six three i had a kid 
came up to me. I used to call it the 306 club when you get in trouble, when actually kids had to go to after school and spend extra time there because they did something wrong. Mm -hmm. I would have the kids come in and clean my room and scrape like gum off the bottom of desk and all that. But this kid, Uh great kid, loved him. Um, He he did something. I was like, I'll see you at 306. And he was about 6'7 and had me by good 35, Mm -hmm. 40 pounds. And he stood up and looked at me. He goes, Mr. Allen, I'm going to be at your 306 club and I'm going to beat your ass. (laughs) And I looked at him. And now this is my second year teaching. I looked at him and and I had to take it back for him. I was like, really? He looks at me, goes, I am going to beat your ass. And I went, make sure you're here at 305. I said, I want to start this one a little early. Mm-hmm. And so 305 rolled around. I'm looking in the hallway, nothing. 306, uh-huh. nothing. 315, nothing. Mm-hmm. So I go home the next day before any other kids know, like he comes in there and I, I pulled him to the side. I was like, I was wanting my ass whooping at 306. Where were you? And he goes, oh, no, no, no. I said, no, 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 no. You don't get to call me out in front of everybody. And then I show up. I said, you're going to get your ass whooping. And he looks at me, he goes, Mr. Allen, no, no. He goes, I'll be there 306. I promise. I promise. So he comes in 306. He's there. And he looks at me and he goes, I was just running my mouth. He goes, what would you like me to do? And so he actually ends up cleaning the whole room just about. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing about the story is two months later, when we have parent-teacher conferences, Mm -hmm. his mom comes up. And I'm thinking, oh, crap, here it goes. And she goes, Mr. Allen, I just want to talk to you a minute. I was like, yeah. She goes, I want you to know that my son respects you the most out of every teacher in the school. And he know he comes home and talks about you. You're a great influence on him. He goes, you might be the only teacher they actually respects in the school. And I talked, sat there and talked about it. I was like, you know, you have a great son and all that. And, and, and it was kind of funny. There you go from beat my ass to you are the only mm-hmm. teacher he actually respects in the whole school building. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. That's funny how sometimes a uh, an incident or an almost incident will bring something to a head like that. You know, like you know, you've already ramped it up. To, you've already gone to eleven, right? So what are you going to do now? Are you going to actually follow through with this uh, bullshit that you? Or are you going to yeah. actually realize that you? Okay, I got to coexist with this guy. You know, he's my teacher. You know, um, yeah, that's cool. That's a cool story. But you talk about teachers that um, that uh, let it go on. I, you know, I, I was picked on a little bit in junior high school, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, there were the Huff brothers. I don't mind saying their names and I don't mind saying the teacher's name now because now I have a pulpit to call his ass out. Mr. <laughs> Williams, I'm sitting there in class and James Huff takes his pencil and starts stabbing me in the back with it. I mean, like with a lead pencil, sharp lead pencil. I mean, a criminal act. Right. And this fucker just sat there and did nothing about it. Absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Buried his head down in his head. He knew it was going on. He's like rubbing his forehead and he's on his elbow and you know, didn't do shit about it. And I didn't, you know, I, I didn't do shit about it either because, you know, I didn't want to get my ass kicked. <laughs> but um, <laughs> that, is that that balding seventh grade math teacher? That yeah. Guy? Yeah. Yep. Worthless piece of crap <laughs> in my estimation. But, you know, like, um, so when you get to high school, at least in my story, in my experience, it seems like a lot of that stuff falls away. Mm-hmm. And when you start, you know, a lot of kids don't have friends, you know, when they go into grade school, right out of or middle school, right out of grade school or whatever. When you start to have friends, a lot of times the bullying will subside, you know, so. You know, Norwood not being uh, quite diverse uh, as far as student population goes. It's funny down here, uh, the school, some of the schools I've taught at, you know, we're, uh, the school I'm at now is probably 
40% black, give or take, and uh, not many on the Asian front net, and then the bulk of it white, and then depending on the school. But it's funny is when you sit down there and the kids, when I was teaching one class, and I had one student sit there and basically try to call me out as a racist. It was funny. And this, uh, this girl, love her to death. She sat there and looked at him. She goes, what did you just say? And this, the young man said again, she goes, I want you to know that he's the blackest dude in this room. <laughs> and, this, and this guy looks at her. He's like, what? She's like, he's the blackest dude. And he's so black that he shops at Food Lion. <laughs> and that's it. And so yeah. I'm laughing at her. her name was Candace. I love her. And I I didn't even say a word when he's and, and he just like looks at her and he doesn't say a word the rest of the class. <laughs> Everybody else is just kind of like nodding their head up and down, like that's right. He is the black student in this room. Don't mess with it. Right. And so, you know, we just go, I just go on with my lesson and all that. Well, I mean, I get I get the sense that you that you kind of garner this type of loyalty from your students because there was an incident that Finley, our friend Mark Finley talked about where he was I don't know. You posted something funny on Facebook as you know, as you're prone to do or whatever. And he came on and kind of busted your balls about it, said something about you. I have no idea. I didn't see it, but he talked about it, that these like um, swarms of knife wielding little creatures started (laughs) stabbing him all over because, uh, you know, they had attacked their, uh, you know, their leader. (laughs) Uh, 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 Well, I guess when I, when I introduced myself to the students on that for the first time, I sit there and tell them, I go, I said, you know, I was like, I expect you, I expect you to respect the position that I have. Mm-hmm. I go that much. I want from, I said, you don't know me as a person. I go, I'll mm-hmm. earn that respect as we go along. I said, and the same with you. I was like, I give you the respect as a student and you earn that in a certain way. I was like, as a person, I was like, we'll learn to respect each other as we go along. And I think that's it. So when, you know, it was kind of funny. I know what you're referring to and all that. Mm-hmm. And it was, and, and so you have those kids and, and they, they know how I am. They know I'm a straight shooter. Yeah. They know that if there's somebody they need to talk to in that building, they come to my room. Yeah. Um, I, and I'll, I'll do whatever I can for them. And I, and I get stuff done and, and I don't do anything until they say, Hey, go ahead. You can do this or whatever. So I'd sit there and say, Hey, I'm going to do this for you and all that. Is this okay? Yeah. But you know, you know, when you meet them as freshmen and by the time they get to seniors and all that, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll sit there. They'll, they'll get on there and say, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. You can't talk about him like this. Yeah. So it's kind yeah. of, yeah, it was kind of funny when they started on it. Well, Finley definitely, you got a kick out of it. I mean, he told mm-hmm. it, I mean, he really <laughs> thought it was funny, you know, because it was like a typical exchange we might have at the draft for instance, exactly. or, or on the, uh, messages or something um, he didn't expect the blowback <laughs> so, it was funny does uh does having the the respect got your back of your kids um help you deliver a better education you know, great question lisa i would yes it does because i think if you know when your students know who you are and what to expect from you and what they know they're going to get out of you and you tell them straight up, hey, this is what we're going to do and all that. I think as you build that relationship as the class starts and all that, mm-hmm. it does. I, 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 If you are a teacher that the kids have no respect for, despise being in your classroom, and that's mm-hmm. 90 minutes of their time they feel wasted, of course, I, yeah, it's going to hurt their education. I mean, because yeah. they're going to do stuff to where they're sitting there and whether you're on them harping all the time to try to get them back on task or whatever. But, you know, when you can come in there and, and that's not to say kids don't do stuff, but, you know, I can sit there and say, hey, and, you know, it's, it's 
it's done right there and they're back on task and we go about our business. But yeah, those you got those teachers that I'll use the word they demand respect when they get in the room. You you are going to respect me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it's like the gauntlet is thrown down. And the thing is, these kids know what you can and can't do. They know how far you can press the envelope. This mm-hmm. isn't back in the in the days when that teacher could put you up against the locker and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, mm-hmm. and you had corporal punishment. They know how far you can go. Right. And, right. and they will, if they do not show you that respect, they will push you to that limit. And, and I know teachers that it's happened to. I've known teachers that have transferred schools and that just because of how they went in. I mean, the first thing that I learned as a new teacher first getting into it is you can take the classroom management crap they try to teach you in college and you throw that out the window because mm. it, it doesn't apply. Yeah. And, you know, I try when I have these young teachers come up and ask me, God, tells me how old I am when these people and, uh, <laughs> you know, I sit there and go, all right, it is. And I sit there and say, you know what, when you have a class of AP students and honor students, mm-hmm. you have to talk to them a certain way. Right. Just like, talk to your regular college prep, regular kids a certain way. Mm-hmm. And and they know that way. And, you know, so if they, you can get in trouble. You know, I've seen a lot of teachers get in trouble because they'll try to go hardcore ghetto kind of on these AP kids. And it's not the kid. The mm-hmm. next thing you have is parents calling the school. Mm-hmm. And then that snowballs from there. And it just, you know, you just can't, you can't unring that bell. Mm-hmm. So, well, you especially know, I, AP, you know they're they're driven. You know they want to be there. Oh yeah, yeah, and they they want to work. Right. Yeah. They're kind of self motivated. Right. Yeah. Or parent motivated. Oh, you you'll have the parents motivated without a doubt. Yeah. And they're the ones that are. Uh, 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 my kid just got a test. Why? Why? I was like, you got to give me at least you know a day to grade it, man. You mm-hmm. get, <laughs> it's not like your kid turned in the test and all of a sudden the grade pops on there. Little Timmy's got a 97 in your class now. And I'm like, well, he's got a 97. What are you, what are you mad about? Right. It should be a 99 or a hundred. Like, right. uh-huh. like, oh, please. <laughs> right, right. But hey, but they will go after you tooth and nail. Yeah. for that. Two an A is an A, dude. All they're seeing is an A. Okay. Yeah. Although does, um, does GPA is GPA. Oh, yes. Okay. You hit the nail on the head. Versus the nine. Ah, okay. You hit the nail on the head. Victorian. Yep. All of them. Well, they see yeah. it translating into scholarships and, and college and, and yeah. Yep. They really, uh, well, and, and there are the so many interesting scholarships out there. Like for instance, I have a nephew who got a scholarship for uh, being left-handed and um, he got a scholarship for being blue-eyed brunette. That's a Cincinnati I, scholarship actually. To kick it back on a little bit of sports real fast. I tell the girls their area, you will not believe. Mm-hmm. How many golf scholarships are out there for females? Yeah. Oh, and I was like, pick up like, a club. I said, you don't have to be good. Yeah. yeah. Just just play. Yeah. Uh, I know that the uh, the high school where my uh, nieces and nephews went, um, all of them took bowling because bowling gave them a $500 scholarship per year in college. Yeah. And I mean, hey, $500 is at least a couple two books. books. Yeah, that's the books. <laughs> Yeah. No, you, you, know? you said to, uh, it's funny is the and the thing is and i try to tell the kids when they're in the classroom i go you know what i go it's not a counselor's job to keep up on your grades right. i go they they have 200 kids they're looking at i go mm-hmm. it's your job to make sure your transcripts are right i said and go in there i said and talk to them and say hey this is what i want to do mm-hmm. i go they can steer you the right way to i was like and you're right there are so 
there's so much money out there yeah. that doesn't get used just because they, they won't take it. the time to go dig around a little bit and say, right. oh, I can get $1,500. You know, some kids will look at it and go, that's only a $1,500 scholarship. It's not worth my, well, no, that is well, worth your is. time because. Every dollar. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I yeah. think, I think a lot of kids fall into the trap when they're thinking about going to school and stuff. Maybe they don't, mm-hmm. they don't really engage a counselor. They don't, they don't really have enough direction mm-hmm. sometimes. If you're left to your own devices, you can really get off course right from the start. Right. Which then falls back a little bit on like a, a classroom teacher. You know, when you see those kids and say, Hey man, you, you are really, you need to go check this out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and you don't sometimes, you know, and I hate to say, it, you know, the teachers in there get a paycheck. Yeah. yeah. They, they you'll ask some teachers, what do you love about teaching the most? And they'll sit there and go June, July, and August. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. <laughs> Summer's off. Exactly. For a while exactly. there, I worked with, the, with three guys and all three of them had teachers. Their wives were teachers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, very much so. They were all like, some of them were very, I'm not saying they weren't good teachers, but uh, but you know, these guys were like jealous of their their spring or summer break. You know? <laughs> they were always like, man, they only work nine months a year. Like, I'll be honest with you, though. They sit there, the amount of work that you do after as far as lessons, grading, mm-hmm. extracurriculars. That people That's ask me. not an eight-hour day. Oh, it's not. People go, well, how much do you get paid, you know, for baseball? And I sit there and I honestly look at them. I go, do you want me to be honest? They go, yeah, tell me, what, how much do you get paid to coach baseball? Mm-hmm. I go, probably about 75 cents an hour. And they're yeah. like, what? I go, about 75 cents an hour. I was like, if you put in all the work that I do for baseball and all the hours I put in, I was like, I can literally say I get under a dollar. I was like, but it's the best 75 cents I make. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like, um, I work at um, University Hospital here in Cincinnati, and uh, I work directly with some of the doctors sometimes. And, um, you know, people think that doctors money, but the residency, especially um, when they take a residency, they're probably averaging, I think somebody figured it out. And this was about maybe 10, 15 years ago that he figured this out, um, less than $3 an hour. And that's one of the reasons why if you want um, the doctors to do something or show up for a meeting, serve food. Because yeah. believe me, every resident's going to show up for food. We, we let it be known that there were going to be brownies one time, and we almost completed every single record in my department. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're not earning enough to buy their own food. Right, yeah. exactly. It's like minor league like ball players. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, You're not right. making that money. Like Brett. Set up a buffet. Do a, uh, do a, uh, you know, make sure they know there's going to be food and they're going to be there. Right. Yeah. But I see the analogy uh, Aaron's making. Brett, his mm-hmm. uh, son-in-law, was a prospect in the, Do- in the Dodgers minor league system. Couldn't mm-hmm. sustain, you know, living. Uh, yeah. Very promising pitcher, but couldn't, mm-hmm. you know, so it's a similar type of uh pay scale i guess yeah <laughs> like uh, some people twelve hundred dollars a month or something yeah that's just not yeah right. now um now bill just, just while he's playing right right oh just while he's playing so and that's kind of like you you have to look at things like the disparate um salaries in probably every single sport for women versus men in most sports um unless you're talking about like gymnastics maybe or ice skating um the men are making a living wage at the pro level and the women at the pro level are still having a second job while working as a professional athlete yeah 
because it comes down to how much of the almighty dollar are you bringing it in right yeah that's true yeah i mean there's a percentage on that but i mean i i hearken back to my high school where um my uh, sophomore year the coach of the football team was so tired of the team um being the way they were that he set up a pickup game it was the football team uh with the girls basketball team against the boys football team and the girls won and the football players were still bragging because they didn't win win by that much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, going along like, you know, the Title IX argument when, like, yeah. when I got down here to South Carolina and one of my first mm-hmm. coaching jobs, the uh, head coach, he actually had a business that he owned and he, out of his own pocket, was going to tear down and put up a new fence for the baseball field. Mm-hmm. And now, like I said, this was not – school funds this was not coming from anything mm-hmm. and he actually start catching flack because they told him they go you can't do it and he goes well i'm paying for the whole thing and their uh-huh. argument was no you can't do that because the girls aren't getting anything mm-hmm. and uh-huh. his argument was i understand title nine he goes but this is out of my own pocket Mm-hmm. and uh and he he ended up fighting it for like a month and a half and then they finally capitulated and gave in to him and said okay right he ended up putting in the fence and all that but it's private money yeah yeah and and it's yeah. how it spreads out and you know that's why football is the money maker and you'll see more money get pulled poured into football than you will baseball or basketball or in pretty much all girl sports i mean depending on you know the school right. you're at and I mean, we had a, our girls won the state, the first ever state championship of our school two years ago, and they still really don't get the respect. Yeah, I'm guessing. Yeah. No, um, and that brings up, um, I mean, you are unless you're unless you're a UConn basketball team or something. Yeah, it's got to be something like that. Right. right. Um. No. Now, Bill, as as a coach and a teacher, where do you weigh in on the um, athletic versus academic superstar? <laughs> Uh, the first thing I, you don't have to be a superstar. The first thing that we tell the kids when they come out is Mm -hmm. your title is student athlete, not athlete, Mm -hmm. student. Um, and we are very, I mean, for my thing, uh, my coaching thing, being the head coaches, I've had kids come down to practice and I've found out that they're failing a class. Their practice Mm -hmm. is they sat on the bench that practice with their computer doing the Mm -hmm. work they needed to do to get it in. They didn't go out on the field. Uh, if if a game happened to be up and they were failing, they were they weren't playing in the game. Um, yeah, so we stress for the fact it's it's a, as I said before. It's we tell them it's a privilege to put on the uniform. Yeah. So do what you're expected to do first, and the first thing you're expected to do is maintain your grades. The second thing you're expected mm-hmm. to do is when you're wearing the uniform, you are you bring the persona that we want to the baseball team. That, you know, when somebody sees you walking down the hall with that uniform on that game day, they don't look and say, well, there's a hoodlum right there. You know, this is the, they're the worst kids in the building. When we say, oh, that kid plays for Batter Creek baseball team. Mm-hmm. Hey, good kid right there. And, you know, that's what mm-hmm. we want out of it. So we it's it's student athlete and we stress that harder than anything. I, you know, uh, I'll, I'll mention one other teacher, but I won't mention the name because I think it was uh, innocent enough. But I, don't, mm-hmm. I felt. I had a science class one time and this teacher was involved in track, coaching mm-hmm. track. And he used, you know, he did his teaching, but a lot of his class time was spent with his athletes 
you know, gathered around his desk talking about track team. And there's a little mm -hmm. bit demoralizing from, from a student, you know, trying to, especially yeah. since I sucked at science. So yeah. <laughs> I needed his attention, you know, so, yeah. so that yeah. Was, yeah, a little bit demoralizing but i feel like he was just he just loved track you know he probably loved his kids and everything i i will say this much when i was in um high school they kind of um took a uh, teacher who had an english history background because he had taken physics while in college and didn't fail mm -hmm. he told us he got a d he didn't really know what was going on we weren't doing well. He really couldn't teach us, but they gave him, they had to have a physics teacher. So they gave him the physics class Yeah. and almost none of the students were doing well. And to me, if, okay, if a few of your students are failing, okay, it's the students. But if over half of your students are failing, it's you. Now, what we did do is we got a, uh, they set up this community um, corporate partnership and a, uh, a college level physics teacher who had gone into the corporate world came and he was tutoring us for about two months. And we, most of us went from failing to A's or B's. So he was a ninja. Yes, he was yeah. a ninja. It was amazing. And I know um, one of the things that the physics teacher did, which I did like, was he partnered us up. He set up tables and you would have four people at each table. And the reason why he did that was because he didn't want everyone coming up asking questions. So only one person per table was allowed to ask the question. And we were only allowed like one question per class. Yeah, interesting. So, yeah, and when he wasn't, quote unquote, teaching us, which was basically writing what he wanted us to do on the board and then sitting down to read a novel. Um. <laughs> well, the, I mean, some of the, pro I, I knew it happens all the time still today. Right. You have, I mean, it's just the personnel the school had and hopefully, you know, they figure it out and all that. But right. I've told where I've worked at, I've told them there's certain courses that I won't teach just for the fact of, you want they're you're teaching for the test right it's like u.s history i love u.s history i love teaching it but when they came in and, and they're mm -hmm. putting so much emphasis on what's the final test grade and you mm -hmm. got to sit there and spend a day on world war ii i go you can't learn anything from that i go mm -mm. i said give i said i want classes where i can take in my depth. time do stuff and actually teach mm -hmm. and the kids will actually enjoy learning then trying to do the 20th century in seven days yeah yeah and and so that's one of the problems with school is that you know with all these stupid tests and all that and how much schools are geared for make sure that they do this on test we got to make sure these test grades are here mm -hmm. you know you you get teachers and you'll get teachers that leave the profession because of hey that you know it's not about teaching so this kid right. gets an 85 on this test it's about mm -hmm. knowing the stuff that actually happened and whether or not oh you good job you got an 87 on your ap test at that final great now it's good they won't sit there and tar and feather me at the next meeting yeah right yeah um i do have a question have you ever um utilized um kind of like student partnerships for instance my algebra teacher when i was in um, high school and i thought this was great he took the students that were doing really well and sat them next to a student who wasn't doing so well um you you do. I mean, I, I have, but you know, you as the teacher, you, you just you. A lot of the classes you get, you find out that a lot of the kids are on the same level. Yeah. You don't. Okay. It's, 
yeah, they compartmentalize I mean, them more than they did when I was in school. Yeah, so yeah. seating arrangement. Right. This was like 1982, yeah. 81, you know. I mean, so yeah, I mean, you'll have those classes where you'll get, uh, where I've had some kids that are just off the chart smart, and you're mm-hmm. like, what are you doing in this class? Yeah. And, uh, you know, but the funnest thing is, you know, like if I, when I do projects and that, I don't put the, I let the kids to put their own groups together. And I found out the funny thing is the A's will work hard. Yeah. And, you, and, and the flip side of it, and I found it every year, you'll get a bunch of kids that are get together that are D's and F students. Mm-hmm. They will work as hard as the A's because they sit there and go, you are not going to, you're not going to hurt my grade. I could go ahead and hurt my grade if I want to before, but you're not going to hurt it. Mm-hmm. And so you will sit there and the worst groups are actually the B's and C students because they kind of like blase along, but I get a kick out of watching the A's kids. And if you want to say the F kids mm-hmm. and they will sit there and go at it and they turn in phenomenal work yeah. and, and it's great. Well, and, and I'm just going to say that I always worked harder for um, the teachers I liked. Now, and, and here's the thing, if I didn't like a teacher, I pretty much did almost nothing. And then I would shock them because I got straight A's on every test. She's kind of a brainiac so. that way. <laughs> well, but, I like taking tests. Yeah. <laughs> really do. Well, I enjoy filling in forms and taking tests. I, I, know. Was, the, I was the same way. I'd do as yeah. little homework as possible uh-huh. and ace every test. And exactly. Well, hell, I'd, come, I'd come to school get every a, day a, and Aaron get a B minus. Yeah. Doing your homework in the morning. Yeah. It's funny you all are bringing up homework. That's almost like the dinosaur now. You don't see a lot of homework come out anymore because of all, I mean, parents gripe about it. You sit there and you'll have some teachers and I'll sit there and go, you've just given them two and a half hours of homework. Mm-hmm. And I, and if you're doing four classes, I said, well, if everybody does that, that means that kid leaves the school building at 345. Mm-hmm. And we've essentially said he has six hours of homework to do. Yeah. And you will see a lot of administration all that push away from homework to saying hey let's see what we can focus on and get done in class so and and classwork versus homework versus extracurriculars versus kids who have to work there are and whatever reason i am one of those i i'm i'm a teacher i really hardly ever give out homework Mm -hmm. because i find out that i i'm it's better to get it done in class because if i'm there or if they're working with somebody you know, I know right then that it's going to get done. They'll have a chance to find out an answer or, or solve a problem if they're having trouble and stuff like that. So uh, my emphasis that going along is I, I am more classwork than homework. But then again, you know, mm-hmm. being social studies compared to, I understand right. math. If, hey, you got to take this home and do this. Right. So I, I really do think it falls under, you know, what you're teaching that can mm-hmm. determine, you know, your homework percentage compared to not doing it. Right. Well, I think this has been an excellent mm-hmm. conversation about education, yep. but I think we're, we're getting really low. You know, we're, we're running over a little bit. I think we need to talk a little <laughs> bit about the NRBL. Oh, yes. We have three members here. Uh, this, ladies and gentlemen, the NRBL, for those who are not aware who are listening to this podcast, is the Norwood Rotisserie Baseball League. One of the longest living leagues in, I am assuming, the history of rotisserie baseball. I would imagine. Now, just so you know, ladies, um, rotisserie baseball outside of Dan named Oakland. after yeah. rotisserie restaurant where it was created. Right. And one day, 
uh, you know, we used to all hang out at Sean's. One day Sean mm -hmm. showed up with this book, threw it down on the table, and it was the rotisserie baseball Bible, basically. And it had all, mm -hmm. all it chronicled their first draft. You know, they all gathered in this restaurant. They, mm -hmm. they decided on eight categories, very simple categories compared to what, you know, the metrics that are used a lot today for mm -hmm. fantasy. Right. But rotisserie baseball is eight categories. Mm -hmm. And um, so it was not long. I mean, it, it, it was probably the same year that this book was published that the league was started. So by default, we mm -hmm. would have to be one of the longer running leagues, mm -hmm. I would say. Yeah, we probably started in 85. I think the book was published in 84. Yeah. But nobody can really verify. We don't have the. Uh, right. I think I'll, I think I'll we might have the, we might have the paperwork the stuff but, from '85. But, but he didn't. We didn't date it. I don't. Ah. Yeah. Right. The copy mm -hmm. of the book may be down in my basement somewhere. I don't know. I was, I was going to say I think I have Sean's copy of the book, so yeah, it's yeah. probably another copy. We we probably all have our own copy that we swear we stole from Sean. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like so, the champions manual. I, exactly. I can see him going out and buying another copy. Right, I'm sure yeah, he probably bought twelve. <laughs> Just <laughs> a, he probably it. hoped and prayed that anyone else in the league would read it. <laughs> well, I remember Sean used to take he, every week. He would buy a copy of USA Today. It would have the weekly stats in it. And he'd go to his Commodore sixty four computer yeah. and manually. I think it was a Cincinnati Enquirer or Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, he'd manually enter the stats. And then uh, I think it was Wednesday or something afternoon, we'd drive by and pick up the stats. And uh, so that's how primitive it was. And that's how. Um, yeah. Sunday night, Monday morning, <laughs> usually we'd have the stats ready. They'd be printed out on the dot matrix. Right. Mm. And then when you look the, at the it, form feed, <laughs> the tractor feed. Yeah. 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 I think you go spent with, a lot of time on that. Ugh. I think you'd go for the ceremonial. I'm writing the app. <laughs> Probably spent few hours yeah yeah did he ever let you have a slice of pizza yeah occasionally yeah. i used to eat the bones <laughs> i'd eat the crusts yeah oh i love the bones and he would get that I fried bologna sandwich you'd eat it <laughs> right, yeah. right right fried bologna sandwich fried bologna sandwich right did he, did he make it himself or did he oh no his mom no no, no oh or, his mom yeah, yeah that's or maybe right. aunt rosie his mom was very devoted yeah but it was a hub yeah so we with the exception of but well, most people have won the league at least once, I'd say. Not, to Not I. anybody who might be on the podcast here. <laughs> but I'm no longer in last. Yeah, yeah that was, was going to be like, yeah. Hey, I'm averaging 16 at bats a night. And what place are you in? I believe there's only 12 places that we can fall, and I have fallen to that 12th spot. Yes, and I thank you so much. It sucked being in last. Uh, <laughs> when you've got 13 offensive players and seven of them currently cannot touch a bat, it hurts the line. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're yeah. going through that right now. Or have they come back? Well, I'm not going to get any. Bill's gone through it. Guys. I'm going no. through it now. I, I've got nine. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Not all batters. But. Uh, it's not just who, it's not just numbers either. Just it's like who. Either. Do you think Corona has, <laughs> yeah. um, well, uh, not so the, much they changed COVID, the, but the time off from COVID? It's something like that, I think. Is well, some of those athletes are such pussies. That's the problem. Is you know they get a <laughs> fingernail. You know, that's why if you go back, we can sit but there you, and name all these teams from the seventies. If you can't, hey, if hey, you can't throw your breaking ball with a hangnails are real. Hey, but you know what? Today these guys sit there and go, "I've thrown seventy-five pitches. I need forty-seven days off." Or I hate the yeah. argument when somebody goes, 
why are pitchers running bases? It's not like they got to run five miles. It's 90 feet. Yeah. Yeah. If you can't run 90 feet, you shouldn't be playing Major League Baseball. Ideally, it's 360 feet. Well, for most cases, a pitcher doesn't get past first base. So right, but if he's going to yeah. say he say they score him, it's gone three hundred and six. Yes, but they do get to rest between the um, you know the ninety feet. Not necessarily. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they, they could, get a double, they could, but they could score on a long single. But Lisa, here's the burning question that I have uh-huh. to ask you, and, and yeah. please answer honestly because it is being recorded, and we will have this forever. Uh huh. You are the brains. <laughs> behind the harmonic orchestra aren't you <laughs> oh, never in Go ahead. i followed a regimented list yeah. that was created at depth over many hours believe yeah, but- me um that uh it was like this player if you can't get this one get this one if you can't get this one get this one now <laughs> I, I will tell you that part of my strategy was bidding when i didn't have money while extremely drunk (laughs) thank you guys but that was and I got away with it because I was drunk even though Aaron was I swear I think he was getting ready to or not Aaron I'm sorry I wasn't uh, in that Sean I think Sean was getting ready to kick me out (laughs) because I had already finished drafting I had no money left and I had gotten yeah oh my god and I yeah, I would occasionally bid. I had like I think we had a dollar left. I'm lucky I get busted down yeah, the miners. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, but there is I, a known fact that she wrote that contract that Earl, told Phil his general yeah. manager skills were <laughs> limited to non-personnel decisions. There was, that he alcohol was a involved in man, general manager headpiece <laughs> and that you yeah. were all personnel decisions. Yeah, there was a there was an NRBL draft where uh, Phil was he had to work. No, it was a new job. No, oh no, 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 no. What was it? Great American Ballpark was opening. Oh, it was okay. I'm coming full disclosure. Yeah. I mean, it was regrettable, oh, okay. but I went to a fucking <laughs> exhibition game instead of going to the draft, which oh. I would never ever do again. Ever. Right. And uh, so what he did was he sent me to the draft in his. Play All right, hold on, hold on. List. We've got a new nickname uh, for your husband, Exhibition yeah. Huey. Exhibition. <laughs> Exhibition Huey. I like that. I like it too. Well, I might name my team that, but I think Sean forbids it. Name, what? Renaming teams now. No, you can you just have to go through Sean to do it. What is your what is your team name? I'm not allowed to rename my team anymore. Ever since somebody yeah. broke the website it. putting in a team name that was seven hundred characters long, he won't let us <laughs> oh, do that it. was that was you. Yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now what's your I don't, team name? I don't remember what it was right now. It's Phil's Harmonic Orchestra. Oh, okay. It is now and has always been Phil's Harmonic Orchestra. Well, it's not always been. Well, at one point, weren't you the Phil Billies? No. No? That was a different league. Yeah, let's not go there. I was Hitler that Youth, was, based on the you know the yeah. crew from Norwood High School. You know, John Baglian uh-huh. and um, Ray Henry and uh, you know their little punk rock circle. Lisa, yeah. we know you run the team because every time <laughs> that he wants to do a trade, uh-huh. he starts out like gangbuster. Uh-huh. And you get like 47 texts from it. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, you know, when you get down to the, those final players, he goes dead silent for like two days. And we know <laughs> that's where he's coming to you, getting your permission 
to get rid of those individuals. (laughs) Okay, so I give her the names, and then she goes through all her science fiction books, and she tries to find people (laughs) with the same last names of the people in the trade. I drafted a player named McCaffrey because my favorite author is Ann McCaffrey. In in the football league, when I had my own football team, oh, that's team. right. You had Ed McCaffrey, yeah. and he went off one weekend uh-huh. for like and, and thirty he, points. And he actually he actually scored for me. Did I did I play second or did I win that one? I placed like second or third that year. Yeah. I think he's second. I think he second. played the year football. the year you drafted for Phil with his first championship. Am I wrong? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Now he has had other champions without my. Uh, uh, I, I don't want to say not. Um, I think just one other. Input. You had two. I've had Although two. Although Bill thinks that I am the uh, the brains behind the team. I think oh, the you are the owner. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, that's fine. Yeah. I can be the owner. Bill's just there so she can get through the glass ceiling. That's yeah. Exactly right. <laughs> that glass ceiling of rotisserie baseball. Well, I think the pecking does it. Does Sean have the most, or does Rodney have the most? Wins the most championships. Yeah. It would almost have to be Sean. I have the most second place finish. I have, yes, yeah. Bill's always there. I am the Bobby yeah. Cox of our league, and I call that an honor because I know that I had about August, the first. I had the first two or three second places. I think I feel honored because every <laughs> August somebody has to go to their farm system and rate them and give them a one dollar player for four dudes to try to pass the team that I had drafted without. <laughs> manufacturing anything so that is a badge of honor in my book to know that an all-star team has to be created to get past me there there are a lot of hurt feelings usually by the end of an rbl season i would have to say oh because the people know who the farm teams are they know who the farm teams are yeah we know who the farm teams are (laughs) yeah i felt the burner you know i felt the heat before you know deals i've made and what i've Considered to be my best interest. In, uh, you have out. helped out the Death Star quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll drag it all out into the light of day here. Bill and I trade a lot, yeah. I feel like. Yeah. Well, I follow the path you of least resistance. I cannot trade, for whatever reason, I cannot trade with Rodney. I don't mm-hmm. know why. I really don't know why. But it's like, mm-hmm. he seems, I don't know, he demands more from me than he seems to demand from uh, for other trade part uh, I, I have to think that's a sign of respect he probably looks at some i just, best stars, I just stand uh, up to rodney enough i think that mm-hmm. i won't i won't let a deal close again that i don't feel 100 percent good about with him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah now look what sean is okay I, I i do look at what sean's doing right <clears throat> very smart man right knows his baseball got a great he team. has he has taken advantage of some of the uh reticence of people to deal with Rodney and to, to exploit that and make deals with Rodney. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of like, the, it's kind of like employing the whole, um, uh, Are you saying Rodney's Sean's farm system. <laughs> <laughs> they, kind of, they, they kind of trade off with each other. Now. I've noticed that they made a lot of deals where, you know, and so, but so, here we go. So we're so by extension. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I make one deal with Brian and everybody goes off on me because I dealt one dude. Yeah. Was he a brave? No, I know who he was. <laughs> oh, was it uh, was it Tatis? No, that was to Rodney. Um, Tatis left for an ELO album, but that's not my best trade ever in NRB. It is no, because Joey Votto for <laughs> that's right, baby. Leonard Skinner for Joey Votto is still number one in the trade books. Leonard Skinner for Votto, yes. 
Yeah, was there was scary. there were there was another player involved. We don't care. <laughs> I, um, part of the part of the deal conditional was I had to get send him a vinyl of uh, was it Skinner's first album? We, set, we ended up album. with a was that the one I got or did we decide on a different one? No, nope, that's the one we got. That's right. Bill started trading his LPs for players. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, he was just saying ELO for Tatis. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, guys, you know as well as did I anybody do. take that trade? I, mean, I can't. I can't yeah, Rodney did. Yeah, I can't imagine any album less than uh, songs in the key of life for. I, just um, I, I went with ELO's greatest hits, the double album. Mm. And, you know, it that's, was a great trade. That's, it, it was that, a great trade. Yeah, ELO that, put that, out that's some not good uh, produced music. <laughs> anyway, um, so, I, that's one dude, man. That's a lot of eggs in one basket <laughs> to tease suits. I mean, he seems to get up. injured a lot. Yeah, but I mean, as long as his, or his shoulder doesn't come out of the socket. Yeah. He has like more I've, steals than my what, whole team, so hey, I can't complain. So, who, what was our? Let's break down the Seager deal for a minute, because I don't think I have any of those guys left except maybe Senzel. <laughs> you don't have him either, <laughs> right? He's on the IL. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's bad. It just happened. Just happened. It was, it's. I, mean, I, know, like- I, I flipped. I'm, I wanted. I wanted. I was going to kind of figure out who I flipped them for because it ended up being quite an interesting roster by opening day. <laughs> I gave you Hampson. Then I gave you Garrett Hampson. Gave me Garrett Hampson. I gave you. Uh, did you keep uh, what's it, the third baseman, uh, Longoria? I traded him to Owens. Yeah. Now look what he's doing. He's hitting like he's only hitting two sixties, but he's like you know good power. He's having a nice resurgence. And yeah. Senzel, and it was a shitload of players. It was like six it was, players. Was, but I got nothing out of Seager either. He's something right. He's on. That's that's why I was willing to deal him. Was like, well, I could have all these guys, or I could leave all my eggs in the Seager basket. Well, I took my cues from Micah on that one because that's a classic Micah deal: is to pile on a bunch of off-season median players mm-hmm. for a superstar. Oh, we do that every. And Owens and I every year. It's 10 for one. Yeah. And he one. tries to throw nine guys that he's going to cut anyway and then try to throw a little sprinkle on top. And I always try to yeah. make him throw at least our, two dudes in there. Yeah. Our players have contracts and salaries. So it ha- everything has to add up to be like within a $30 differential unless it's the off season. After the World Series, you can trade anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, essentially, it uses the same rules from that book we mentioned before by Dan Okrent. But um, Sean has made changes, you know, slight adjustments to the rules over the years to mitigate issues that have come up, um, like the uh, unequal trading. You know, that's why you get the $30 limit between the deals and uh, just little things. Uh, I ain't going to lie, but if you guys noticed, every time we make a major rule change, it's after something. Like the first one was American League stats. Mm-hmm. When I had Jason Bay, who went over to American League and tore it up, and I didn't get one stat from him. Yeah. The next year, we counted American League players. Yeah. When well, Ken Griffey Jr. came works. over for bidding, there's a constitution with the rules, and you have to kind of. Yeah, when Ken Griffey Jr. came over, and I waited till midnight and got him at sixteen bucks, and then mm-hmm. we changed the rule to. No, we'll make it Monday at noon so everybody yeah, no, no, no. Wait up till men like I did and get him. Yeah, yeah. We changed the rule after that. I didn't know that that Oh yeah. 
that was because of the Ken Griffey Jr. deal because he's like all these guys. Because I think I actually had the least. I had sixteen bucks left. I think I was the lowest mm-hmm. dude on the totem pole. And I had to. I had to leave the league in nineteen ninety two when I moved to California because the draft happens with everybody in a room. But uh, ever since Skype became viable, I've been back for close to ten years. I'd guess now. Right. Mm-hmm. I think. I think it's we've come to a point in our lives where we need to will our teams to somebody <laughs> <I'm good. laughs> to ensure the existence and future of the league. No, well, Bill, I'm good. <laughs> Exhibition, we, we, we know whose farm system you're leaving your team to, so we're good on maybe, that one. Maybe we go down to like 11 teams, 10 teams. Mm. Well, that would be when, sad. It's a, when it's a two-team league, and it's a Tom team. Molly as we speak? I will have my head frozen and put next to Ted Williams and run it that way. Before (laughs) you will inherit this baseball league. (laughs) All right. Well, I think this has been fantastic. I think we've run over, you know, a little bit. A few minutes. Sorry, I was late. I thought it was going to be like a nighttime. No, dang, I didn't. Sorry about that. I'll try to. uh, We'll try to be more informative. Maybe we'll get your, mind, Philip, to be more informative. Maybe we'll get your attention if we do 420 next time. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't if know, we do 420, we're talking about to talk legalization <laughs> and uh, and growing your own. Yeah. Which I think is perfectly, you know, I actually uh, I actually have a book queued up on hydroponics in my uh, Amazon list. Oh my God. Yeah. All right, well, let's, let's have you, we'll have Bill back again sometime, okay. probably. All right. I'd we'll love to do it again. A, Had a great yeah. time. So the Hamilton County Sheriff's going to be knocking on the door looking at your Yeah, plan. whatever. It's legal here. <laughs> oh, okay. oh, Phil, I do have to answer one thing for you, though, so you know. As far as Pickens goes, yeah. if you notice, every year he comes out one time. It's always at the Norwood Police Department. I have him mulching, planning stuff. It's <laughs> his 18 hours of community service. <laughs> and I put it back into witness protection for the next year. So you're still looking out for the old neighborhood. I All the that. time. As a citizen, I really appreciate it. Yeah. And I also appreciate you coming on. I think it was really a really good fun time. And mm-hmm. uh, I enjoyed it. Thank yeah. you for having me. We need to we need to have a podcast about the lore of the league. But yes. The horse's ass. We definitely need <laughs> to Bresnan. <laughs> well now who else okay one last gotta... question who else would you two like on the uh podcast pertaining to nrbl have oh, an we can actual we can pile everybody NRBL. on here yeah I, I think you'd have I to know. do the whole thing you know you just can't yeah. pick one person up. right yeah. and uh, the one thing is phil worries about like um interruptions so maybe maybe you guys might need a um well like that's a, why, a, that's that's why I that That's one's going to be interruptions, period. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I usually, okay. I, I get so worn out. I get so worn out at the draft because I'm trying to concentrate on the draft. And there's so much chatter. I mean, there's so much chatter, crosstalk mm-hmm. and chatter. It's yeah. hard. It's hard remotely, yeah. Bill, and I know. Well, and, and yeah. Sean, Sean gets so frustrated. He'll like try to slam the gavel down and try to get, you know, he gets so. Does he have it. an actual gavel? Oh, no. Aaron, two years ago, gavel? I thought Aaron was going to have his head explode like a pimple when he was. I mean, uh-huh. he couldn't oh, yeah. cut Aaron off enough that morning. I was laughing so What hard. happened? Was he went and got a 12 pack of PBR. He <laughs> <laughs> drank the whole thing during the draft because you were no, out I, of the I, draft I, after the first two rounds because you blew all your money. So you're just sitting there pounding. <laughs> PBR, <laughs> and then and then, and well, then you like, got a little 
What is it that there was a draft? There was something on with Aaron online, and and the entire whatever draft it was. I'm I'm sitting here and I'm seeing him, and he's just smoking pot the whole time. Yeah, that was so cool. Yeah. It was like that was all for medicinal purposes, right? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. It does kind of explain how Aaron is like one of the mellowest dudes I know. So, but nothing beats. And honestly, I wish I could get dude. Phil to smoke. Oh, Dwayne. Dwayne. Dwayne, Dwayne bidding on his own dude that he kept. That was by yeah. far the best ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he did he, he outbid like, himself then? Did the price he, go he, up? Well, he nominated him and had to say no, no. Oh, okay. Yeah. If we would have let it roll, he probably would have outbid it the number he kept for it. Yeah. It was, well, occasionally, somebody will throw a red herring into the draft. You know, yeah. Somebody <laughs> tired. This was. Yeah. That's what, he was at home this year, right? Yeah. He They'll do yeah. that just to see if somebody will bid on them. Like, how mm-hmm. are you paying attention? Is this going to happen? Oh, yeah. I do that all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you got to make sure it's somebody you're willing to eat for a dollar. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Well, all right. Thanks again. Thank you guys for joining yeah. us on Yeah. Uh-huh. Thank you guys. Yeah, thank Our you. Our gracious host. Yep. I yeah, appreciate it. Had a great Have time. a great week. Thank, thank you for having us on Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> all right. Talk to you. Yeah. Uh huh. You can't see me putting a thumbs up. <laughs> I heard you though. That's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. See you. All right. See y'all. Bye. Hey, listeners. It's Lisa. And Phil. From Yeah, Uh-huh. How are we doing? We love feedback. Please use our socials to let us know what you think. We have social. Twitter. Yeah, Uh-huh Pod. Instagram. Yeah, Uh-huh Pod. Facebook. Yeah, Uh-huh Pod. Notice, Notice a pattern. pattern. Website. www.yeah-uh-huh.com. So let us know. Hit us back. Have a great week.